The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with host Kristen Harper. She's here to give you those extra tips that you don't always get from other health and wellness programs. Kristen has all the bases covered and just a bit more. Now, here is your host, Kristen Harper. Hello to all my listeners. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel and also on KFNX, and I'm live here at the Voice America studio in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm very excited about today's episode. I get to interview uh, Dr. Jeffrey D. Thompson. Uh, He has been on my show before, and we will be talking about brainwave entrainment. We will talk about what it is. I would also like to talk to Dr. Thompson about his uh, discoveries. We'll talk about health and wellness and so much more. And if you would like to uh, be a sponsor of my show, your business will get a lot of coverage because Voice America is the largest live internet radio network in the world. And you can reach out to me if you're interested at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at Kristen Harper speaks.com. I also have two websites. The first is perfecthealthconsultingservices.com. I do offer hair analysis packages to and increase your vitality programs to balance body chemistry naturally and to increase vitality. It's a natural approach to healing. And also my speaking website, I'm a health and wellness speaker, and that website is K-R-I-S-T-E-N, harperspeaks.com. And then also you can Find me on social media on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Tumblr. And I was recently interviewed on the Total Wellness Radio with National Path Dan Young. We talked about hair analysis, quantum biofeedback, sound healing, and natural health. And that interview took place mid-April. And uh, so I... (laughs) I've uh, brought this up on my show before, and I, I have a, a, I have heroes, of course, and I talked about this before. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, he's a spiritual teacher. He has the book, The, the Power of Now. He's one of my heroes. Uh, I had an eating disorder in my past for nine years, and his book changed my life, and I started to meditate, and I was eventually able to overcome my uh, eating disorder. There's other heroes like... Jake Steiner with nmyopia.org, and he helps people all over the world improve their vision naturally, and he's helped me tremendously with my vision. (laughs) And uh, my holistic dentist in California, he's one of the um, best in the world, and he helps people heal and regrow their teeth naturally. I love him very much, and I have others as well. Uh, But also, uh, Dr. Jeffrey D. Thompson is actually uh, one of my heroes, and I Uh, believe in his work 100%. And I've been studying emotional trauma for over a decade. And I've not been pleased at all because I feel like most of the modality, actually, I would say, yeah, most of modalities cannot help people overcome emotional trauma. And I stand behind his work with his general programs and also his bio tuning system can totally help people overcome emotional trauma and also help with you know, improving other health conditions as well to get people's, you know, get individuals' health back. And so it's definitely an honor to have him here. And let me go over his, his bio. Uh, Dr. Thompson is the founder, director of the Center for Neuroacoustic Research in Carlsbad, California, a research center which is actualizing its vision of healing the body heart, mind, and spirit through the scientific application of sound. Dr. Thompson is considered the world's premier sound healing researcher, brainwave entrainment expert, and high-tech personal transformation innovator. 
motivator, and futurist. He is a physician, musician, composer, inventor, educator, and author. His work addresses harmony between the mind, body, and spirit, and is clinically proven to foster deep personal wellness and expansion of consciousness. Certified in multiple healthcare modalities, Dr. Thompson draws people nationally and internationally to his clinical practice and to his cutting-edge auditory, kinesthetic, and visual therapeutic products and services. It is an honor to have Dr. Jeffrey D. Thompson on my radio show. It's an honor to be here. Good talking with you again. Oh, definitely. And how how is your day going today? Uh, it's good. I just um, I saw patients this morning and um, timed it all, you know, so I could race back here and catch the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> And yeah. I'll do this, and then I'll have another list of things I have to kind of accomplish. But right. I'm sure your Life rolls relentlessly on, but mine is filled with good stuff. Oh, that's great. And I, in I, Japan, they call it a happy problem. Oh. Too many good things. <laughs> Not enough time. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I know your um, schedule's uh, jam-packed, um, so I do appreciate you taking time out of your um, busy schedule. Um, so... Um, I got to meet uh, Dr. Thompson uh, back in February. It was definitely an honor to uh, meet with him. And uh, I also got to uh, meet with his son, Shay, which he's a really nice person. And so, uh, Dr. Thompson, would you be able to talk about what is brainwave entrainment, especially for some of my listeners that have never heard of it before? What is it? Uh, sure. Um it's, it begins with my body clocks, and that begins with basic rules that the body runs by. The, the body's a pretty complex system, a series of systems all networked together, but the general directive of the body is pretty simple. Rule number one, survive at all costs. Rule number two, do no self-harm. And a subset of that rule is be as ecological as possible. Get the most work with the least amount of energy expended. Cut corners. Do the best you can. Don't waste your life energy. That's pretty much it. Those two rules. And because of that, my body will, if it feels threatened, mobilize uh, 100% of available, expendable energy and pump it into my muscles to fight for my life. The, the infamous fight-or-flight response, where the sympathetic nervous system turns on and mobilizes my adrenals and my blood pressure and pulls energy from my gut and elimination system and my immune system and my higher brain centers and puts it into muscles to fight for my life. Um, well, part of rule number two is to get the most work with the least amount of energy expended. That's the reason why we have body clocks. And the center of control of body clocks is in the center of your brain in a little area called the hypothalamus. Hanging down from the hypothalamus is a stalk that is the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland hangs down from underneath the hypothalamus. And inside the hypothalamus are all these little organelles, little tiny structures, and that's where the origin of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system come from. Also, there's another little tiny organelle in there called the suprachiasmic nucleus, and that is the center of the body clocks. It's hardwired to the pineal gland, and the pineal gland is sensitive to light-dark cycles because it's derived from the same embryonic tissue as the eyeball. And the... Pineal gland is sensitive to the full moon, new moon phase, which governs ovulation cycles in women. Well, you have your menstrual cycle every 28 and a half days. is timing itself to the full moon, new moon. And to seasonal affective disorder, which is the pineal gland getting uh, timing my body thermostat to the correct season, summer, winter, by noticing how long 
the day length is. And when you think about it, the day length is never the same two days in a row because the day lengths are getting longer and longer to the summer equinox and shorter and shorter to the winter equinox. And my body clocks are timing my internal body thermostat to be set for winter or summer. And all of that is to save energy because I have to keep my body at 98.6 degrees exactly. Um, And so my body thermostat always has to be set. And if it's out of sync with the day phase, if there's an out of synchronicity of my body clocks with the world, then I'm expending 10 times more energy just to get the same work done. And that's not good because that's breaking rule number two. Do not self-harm. be as ecological as possible. So because of that, my internal body clocks are constantly monitoring the world around me to time itself to, because it saves energy to dance to a drummer that's already drumming, than to invent my own drum beat moment by moment by moment continually. So it saves energy to have body clocks to time myself to multiple patterns in the world. Uh, Because that's such a powerful, strong program, because because it's tapped into one of the two basic rules that the that the body runs by: survival and and get the most work with the least amount of energy. Because it's one of the big rules, if we can figure out how to commandeer your body's clocks, we can control your system. For instance, we can, women with irregular menstrual cycles, we can uh, cure about 40% of them by burning a, a small little tiny light bulb over by your window during the two weeks of the new moon when there's no moon shining, fooling the pineal gland into thinking the full moon is still shining through the window and resetting your clock and eliminating the irregular menstrual cycle. Same thing with seasonal affective disorder. We can expose a person to... Um, an hour a day of full-spectrum daylight light bulbs to fool the pineal gland into thinking the day length is longer and resetting the, the thermostat. So we can also, and because the brain governs the system and the brain runs with something called brain waves, um, and brain waves and the brain control the system. We can control brain waves and the speed at which they fire with external cues. And the first work with this was done in the U.S. Navy long, long ago in the 40s using um, lights that were flashing at a brainwave speed. So the brain itself is also always trying to time itself to all kinds of influences in the world. And if we uh, expose you to either a light that's pulsing at a brainwave speed or a sound that's pulsing at a brainwave speed or electromagnetic field pulsing at a brainwave speed, your brainwaves will want to time themselves to that because it saves energy. I think probably the first use of sound for changing states of consciousness by changing brainwave function was probably shamanic drumming. And when you do an analysis of classic shamanic drumming practices, you'll see that the speed of the drumbeat is about a theta brainwave speed around four and a half, five cycles per second. That's uh, about like this. Can you hear that? About like that. That's about four and a half, five cycles per second. So it means that I'm pounding this drum, usually around a fire at nighttime, and it's a shaman doing it, um, within a few minutes, your brainwaves will try to time themselves to this external pulse speed because it's the most dominant drum beat uh, in your environment. Actually, in this case, it's an actual drum, but it's the most 
powerful pulse in your environment to time yourself to. And since there's a brainwave speed, your brainwaves travel from wherever they are, usually awaking an awake state in beta, which is brainwave firing around 15 to 20 hertz. Slow down, slow down, slow down, all the way down to 5 hertz, where the drum is beating. And that means that we can take, and we can measure this with an EEG machine. We can watch your brainwaves do this. Your brainwaves will change from a wake state through an alpha state, which is a light sleep state, down into a deep theta dream state where you go when you're dreaming uh, in just a few minutes without going to sleep first. So that's a classic definition of a trance state or a hypnagogic state or a meditation state. So... Now we have unprecedented tools for refining this process. In the past, when it was drumbeats or Tibetan bowls, if you rub the Tibetan bowl with a stick, you'll hear this beautiful sound, but within that sound, you'll hear a pulse, and the pulse is a brainwave speed, and that's why the Tibetan bowls work, because they entrain your brainwaves to a deeper state. And that's how you can tell the good bowls from the bad bowls. The good bowls are a deep meditation brainwave pulse, and the bad bowls are discordant high, high speed frequency pulses that don't really take you lower. Um, but even you know a few thousand years ago, you know the the Tibetans understood this principle. Um, in 1973, there was a researcher at Mount Sinai Hospital who published an article from his research that was published in, in um, December 19, uh, December 1973 in Scientific American. This is the definitive article that started the whole brainwave entrainment industry in the Western world back in 1973. And that article was called Auditory Beats in the Brain, Gerald Oster. And you can look this article up by going to the Scientific American website. You'll have to, you know, there's an archive there that you can buy that article. Uh, in, that, in that research project, he showed uh, EEG studies that proved that if I expose you to a, a sound pulse that's pulsing at a brainwave speed, your brainwaves will change from wherever they are, travel to the speed of this pulse, lock onto it, and then if you speed the pulse up or slow it down, the brainwaves will follow that. It's called the frequency following response. And essentially, that is the core of hypnosis. Because as soon as your body is following my lead, you're hypnotized. If I speed up the pulses and slow them down, your brainwaves follow. I am orchestrating your consciousness. I am... I am uh, in charge of what's happening with your brain waves. And for some reason, the speed of which your brain waves fire are closely associated with various states of consciousness. So that's the idea of beta, alpha, theta, and delta uh, brain waves. Those are the four main classifications that I learned in school, and that was 45 years ago. A lot, of, a lot has changed. In 1989, when I first moved to California from my practice in Virginia, I was in Virginia for nine years, and I moved to California because of the sound work was becoming so powerful, I had to devote full time to it. So I moved to California in 88 and 89. Um, I was contacted by a company in, I think, um, Holland, who had come up with the very first a portable EEG machine, a machine that could plug into your ordinary home computer and not be a dedicated $30,000 EEG computer, which is what it all was before that. So I got this EEG machine that I could plug into my office computer and I could start to measure my patient's brainwaves for the first time, 1989. And what I wanted to do was to prove to myself that Gerald Oster's work was true, that that we could indeed expose you to sound pulses pulsing at a brainwave speed and cause your brainwaves to change from where they are and travel to the speed of this pulse. 
So I could confirm that for sure. The second part of Gerald Osser's work was even more important, I think. Oh, equally as important. Um, And that was this concept of binaural beats, two tones that are creating the beat. Instead of a drum beat, which is a monophonic tone, a single source sound, binaural beats is two tones slightly out of tune from each other, creating an interference pattern, uh, what's called a phase modulation. A modulation of the two frequencies by colliding airwaves. So, you know, sound is a mechanical energy wave moving through a medium from one place to another, and the normal medium we experience is uh, airwaves. Air molecules are colliding together. Or it can go through water five times better because the molecules are more closely packed, or through a solid five times better than that because molecules are more densely packed. It's the sounding board on a cello. Um, so this idea that um, we can create a beat by untuning two tones slightly from each other that creates this modulation, wah-wah kind of thing. If the speed of the wah-wah is a brainwave speed, we get exactly the same phenomenon as if we were pounding a drum. The brain is looking for external pulses to time itself to. So we just provided that. There are interesting things that come about with binaural beats. And because Gerald Oster was a scientist, he chose a man-made tone, a sine wave, a man-made oscillator, uh, to create a pure tone with no harmonics. That's the sine wave. And he created two sine waves and untuned them slightly from each other to create this pulse. So, for instance, if I've got one speaker, my right speaker's got 100 hertz sine wave tone, and the left speaker has 105 then there is a five cycle a second air molecule collision going on between the two speakers. And we hear this wah-wah between the speakers. But the wah-wah is not coming out of either speaker. It's just an interaction of air molecules. And if we turn one speaker off, the, the uh, wah-wah collapses and we just hear one tone. So that's the binaural beat phenomenon. Amazing. What a wonderful explanation. And I hate to cut you short, but we need to go to a very quick break. And we'll just take a couple of minutes here. But thank you so much. I'm really enjoying this interview. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel and also on KFNX. Please stay tuned, and we'll be back very soon. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Kristen Harper is a health and wellness speaker and founder of Perfect Health Consulting Services. She inspires people all over the world to keep healthy, happy, and motivated. Get a virtual health coaching or hair mineral analysis package at perfecthealthconsultingservices.com to help you get healthy and stay healthy. Also, go to KristenHarperSpeaks.com to hire Kristen Harper, a health and wellness speaker, for one of your events. Be sure to visit both of Kristen's websites, PerfectHealthConsultingServices.com and K-R-I-S-T-E-N HarperSpeaks.com. Now is the time to take your health to the next level and become the best version of yourself. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated with Kristen Harper. If you would like to connect with her, reach out via email to Kristen at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N at KristenHarperSpeaks.com. Now, back to Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated. We are back. This is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel and also KFNX. And I'm live here at the Voice America studio in Phoenix, Arizona. And I am here with um, Dr. Thompson is on the phone. And we've been been talking about brainwave entrainment, Dr. Thompson. And um, he, and Dr. Thompson, I really feel in my heart, just like a spiritual feeling that I have, I really think you're going to really make it big. That's what I feel. Um, and this will happen. I just feel it like it's going to happen in the future. And um, he's been on uh, Fox Evening News, Los Angeles, CNN, Worldwide Reports, and, and so much more. Good Morning America. And you also are in two films. If you maybe could just talk about these films really quick, maybe for a minute or two, and then we'll move on to your discoveries. Okay. Um, yeah, the um, the Heal documentary, yes. H-E-A-L documentary on Netflix. Yes. So check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, that film is about <clears throat> a holistic approach to healing with a, a number of practitioners and a, a number of very famous people, um, Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and people like that, and me, um, all talking about health and holistic healing. Uh, and that and that film showed in 60 cities and it was sold out in every single show that showed. Every day it showed, it sold out for months. Wow. They kept extending it and extending it and finally... It ended up on uh, Vimeo, then it ended up on Netflix, and now it's at Netflix. That's 190 million people in wow. 150 countries, and it's like wow. The, the beauty is that that is the conversation that is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. That a film like that doesn't arrive out of nowhere; it arrives out of something that's already happening. And the second film is um, a film on chronic pain, holistic approaches to chronic pain, and. Uh, it's called On a Scale of 1 to 10. Um, it had an opening in Vancouver a few a few weeks ago, and I'm not sure where it's at as far as um, where it's playing or its distribution or anything like that just yet. It's still in its infancy. So you might look it up, though, On a Scale of 1 to 10, mm-hmm. The silent epidemic pain. I, I did the. I scored the some of the music for that film, first time, so I can check that off my list now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know the uh, back back to uh, your question about brain entrainment and states of consciousness. Um, the um, one final thing that Gerald Oster discovered that was an astounding thing was. What happens when you put these binaural beats, these two separate tones, in headphones instead of speakers? Uh, because when you have headphones on, you and you have, say, 100 hertz in the right ear and 105 in the left ear, and you hear this five cycle a second wah-wah, you know, kind of in the center of your head, um, there is no air molecules colliding anymore unless you've got air between your ears, right? So that means that we've got a new phenomenon. It's a true quirk of how the brain functions as it tries to obey rule number two, as it tries to get the most work with the least amount of energy expended. And the brain is being exposed to something it's never experienced before in its whole biological evolution, where the right ear is hearing something that the left ear is not hearing, and vice versa. In nature, that never happens. So the brain is confused. The brain is going, 
Uh, my my left hemisphere is controlling my right ear, and my right hemisphere is controlling my left ear, and both of those are hearing something the other ear is not hearing. Is this a threat or not? I don't know. So the two hemispheres are forced to synchronize their activity across the corpus callosum. And hemisphere synchronicity is something that's highly sought after by the human organism, because that's where all the good stuff happens. That's where the epiphany takes place. That's where the problem gets solved. That's where the illumination happens. Um, all of the out-of-box, brand-new ideas drop into your brain when the hemispheres are synchronized. So to be able to orchestrate a synchronicity event between the two hemispheres is something unprecedented in our whole history as human beings. Um, and normally when it happens, it happens at odd moments that are hard to control um, when the good stuff happens. Uh, people are striving to figure out how can we make this happen? How can we exercise the flow state? How can we get into higher states of meditation? EEG patterns of meditation clearly show moments of enlightenment are associated with hemisphere synchronicity. Um, now, if we have binaural beats playing through headphones in a music track, for the whole time that you're listening to the music track with these binaural beats going in headphones, the hemispheres are floating in a continual state of synchronicity. And this is a new thing in evolution. This has never happened before. In, in all the two or three hundred thousand years of human evolution, no, it's not happened before. This is the first time. And that means that we're taking our brain to a gym and we're exercising an ability in an accelerated way that could only happen with science. Um, the, and then if we do the synchronicity in different brainwave states, we can accentuate different states of consciousness. And that's where we come back to this idea of brainwaves. And when I was hooking up all of my patients to this new EEG machine that I had gotten just to prove that Gerald Oster's idea of brain entrainment with sound waves worked. And number two, I wanted to see that hemispheres would synchronize with headphones on. And in that process, yes, I proved that to be true, but in that process where I'm taking a patient down into a deep delta brainwave state, which is where you go in deepest sleep, Brainwaves are largest amplitude and slowest. I noticed that the brainwaves were dropping below the lowest range of delta into some new territory that I'd never seen or heard of before. I mean, I was taught that there's nothing below 0 0.5 hertz delta, the lowest bottom of brainwaves. And I'm seeing something below that with an amplitude that's going right off the screen um, and then when the person got up from that session, they had incredible tales to tell. Like the first person this ever happened to was describing themselves with an out-of-the-body experience, floating by the ceiling, watching me over by my computer, doing my thing. And they floated through the ceiling and went home and found their lost keys. And they could hardly wait to get home to find their keys. And then, of course, when they get home, they're calling me up saying, my keys were here, just like I saw it was real. Um, I saw people having precognitive experiences, knowing something was going to happen and happened. Um, personal spiritual epiphanies, um, big things. Well, I called it a general category of ecstatic states of consciousness where sort of metaphysical things tended to take place, big insights tended to take place. And then I began a search is anybody reporting below delta brain activity? Uh, in those days, it was before Google. That was Alta Vista and Ask Jeeves um, and the National Interlibrary Search System. And from that day until this day, um, the answer is no. Nobody's reporting below delta brain activity. But then at a certain point, I did clinical work with neurofeedback, two different neurofeedback practitioners for a couple of years. And when I'm asking EEG professionals, have you seen below delta activity? And the answer was always no. Why? But, but then they said, but I wouldn't be able to see it even if it was there. But why not? 
Well, because this expensive EEG equipment has a cap on what it displays. It doesn't display below one hertz. So they couldn't discover it because they didn't believe it was there. That, to me, is a statement on humanity anyway. And it's a statement for each person. I, I walked away from that thinking to myself, where are my blinders? My blinders of the things that I believe to be so. So I've set my life up. I've set my brain up so I don't even look there. That, so I can't look there. Um, because people believe that there's no brain frequencies below 0.5 hertz, then their EEG equipment wouldn't even show it if it was there. Um, anyway, that's remarkable. Um, and as soon as I saw that, I'm thinking, wait a second, um, they told me that this house had no basement, and here I'm discovering there's a basement there. How deep does the basement go? You know, how? what about frequencies maybe below these below delta frequencies, slower even than that, you know? At a certain point, I decided, look, I think I've discovered something, so I'm going to name it. I named it Epsilon Brain Activity. It was the next Greek letter down from Delta. Science, that sounds cool, right? Epsilon state. Um, so I began exploring uh, Epsilon 1 and Epsilon 2, half of the Epsilon frequency slower. <clears throat> and I began to have remarkable results with um, certain conditions, certain uh, neurological developmental conditions, which tended to be my specialty, even way back in Virginia. Um, kids with um, ADD and ADHD and autism and epilepsy and depression and things, learning disabilities, uh, were responding remarkably well to these low frequencies and to the hemisphere synchronicity thing. If I can force your hemispheres to synchronize, that's precisely what's wrong uh, with most of these different kind of neurological problems is one of the things that they all have in common is non-communication of pathways. Um, uh, but then um, the first uh, uh, discovery was made in, I think, around um, the late 90s, and that was gamma brain activity. And gamma was discovered during open brain surgery where they could put electrodes, EEG electrodes, right on the brain itself. And they picked up all these other frequencies going on in the brain that they couldn't measure before because they couldn't penetrate the skull. And that's got something to do with how brain waves are generated. If, if my brain wants to generate 20 uh, brain firings per second, that's uh, 20 hertz beta, then uh, no single one of those brain filings, firings can have a lot of amplitude. The amplitude is very slow because you have to make 20 of them. But if you only have to make five of them in theta, then each of those five has got a really large amplitude. The same amount of energy is used by the brain to generate any kind of brain pulse. It just is either spreading it around to make 30 of them. In this case, it was 40. Gamma is 40 hertz and it can't penetrate the skull. So they were picking it up right off the brain. And they also noticed that there was 100 hertz and 200 hertz coming out of the brain. I had no idea what any of this meant. The, the, but they called it gamma. <clears throat> they did not name the other two. I named those later. But the gamma brain frequency activity, everybody started jumping on the bandwagon, and it came back that... Um, First, they were equating it with cognitive consciousness because it's the only brain frequency that disappears under general anesthesia. Um, and then they started calling it the binding frequency. And that's because all of my five senses, my eyes and my nose, my ears, and uh, taste and touch, those are all, the signals are all deposited in different areas of the cortex, distinct areas. The visual cortex is the back of your head, occipital lobe, and... Um, hearing is the temporal lobes on either side of your brain. So somehow this 40 hertz gamma binds all of these sensory information together in one place so that they're all synchronized up so that, they, so that my experience of my five senses out here in the world makes sense. You know, if a cup falls off 
the table and hits the floor and shatters, we all know that the movement through space and the sound it made when it hit the floor belong together because it's bound together in my brain. If it's not bound together in my brain, I wouldn't necessarily realize that the sound had anything to do with hitting the floor. And that's precisely what's going on with autism, uh, where we get a desynchronicity in gamma. And I mean, this is my work, um, that, uh, that we get a disassociation with different sensory information and it starts to bombard the brain and become a stress. Um, in uh, autism, there is a missing brain frequency or a deficient one called MU, M-U, and that's the monkey see, monkey do uh, brain activity where areas in my brain light up when I watch you move, when I watch your facial expressions or your body positions. I learn that um, because an area of my brain lights up. That's, that's called the moo activity. But if moo is deficient, then I don't learn socialization skills. I don't, I don't know what tone of voice or facial expression or body expression mean. Uh, but that's a functional problem, and that can be retrained. Now we can use this brainwave entrainment idea where I can entrain your brain to moo and return that function. I can retrain your brain to be able to exhibit beta focus states in an ADD kid, an attention deficit disorder kid whose brainwaves are stuck in theta daydream mode and can't rise themselves up from 5 hertz theta into 15 to 20 hertz beta. It can't go there. But I can entrain your brainwaves to go there. Um, or the other way around, you're stuck in beta and you can't relax, you can't meditate, you, you can't go to sleep, then we can entrain your brainwaves the other way. We can make them go down. And we can do it over and over and over again in a course of treatments every day with headphones until your brainwaves learn this new place to be. It's like going to a gym for your brain. Um, the brain entrainment idea is going to a gym. Uh, so... When we look upon brainwaves, what are brainwaves anyway? It's, it's generations of electrical impulses coming out of these neurons, and there's, you know, 100 billion neurons and 100 trillion connections between neurons, these pathway connections. And the neurons fire in synchronized waves of depolarization. So it's like the wave at a football game, people standing up and waving their heads their hands above their heads in synchronicity, you get this wave motion. That's what happens with brain waves. They fire in synchronized bursts, waves that, of depolarization that sweep across the cortex. And it turns out that for some reason, the speed of those waves is directly related to stage of consciousness. So beta, where the speed is 13 to 38 firings per second, um, waves per second is associated with externally directed kind of linear thinking focused attention um, and then when the brain waves slow down and go below 13 cycles per second down to around seven or seven and a half that's alpha that's associated with peripheral vision or more of a holographic mind state instead of a linear mental state and theta below seven and seven and a half down to about three and a half that's dreaming sleep or daydreaming during the day um, and delta is the lowest all the way down to 0 0.5 hertz and that's where you go in deepest sleep where it's for most, most difficult to wake up <clears throat> but each of those states also has counterparts in waking consciousness and in meditation so for instance uh, Zen meditation where I'm sitting very aware that I'm here in the room, that I'm breathing, that there's sounds, that there's smells. But none of those have any more importance than any others. It's an objective witness. And that's a clear definition of an alpha state, a peripheral vision state, which peripheral vision is your focus. Everything is your focus. Um, and a, a theta brain state with meditation would be more of um, a shamanic journey or a... Uh, chakra meditation or a Christian prayer you know I'm not aware that I'm in the room I have no idea where I am 
I'm in a shamanic journey where I'm climbing a mountain or I'm in a cave or I'm talking to a totem animal or I'm meeting a shaman on some other plane um, or I'm walking and talking with angels or uh, I'm floating a foot off the ground in full lotus position in an alabaster temple on top of a mountain and sunset watching my chakras spin. It's, that's clearly theta brain activity. That's where I go when I dream. Um, and uh, a few years ago, the Dalai Lama took a, a number of his uh, top monks who've been meditating for 30 years and brought them to the University of Wisconsin to a research project there where they hooked them up with EEG monitors and fMRI machines to see what happens when you're in these super high states of meditation. And what they were generating was extremely high amplitudes of gamma brain activity, uh, which... You know, it's kind of an interesting thing because remember I said that nobody ever discovered gamma because it couldn't penetrate the skull because the amplitude was too low. And so these guys, these monks, are exhibiting high amplitudes of gamma that's penetrating the skull that's picked up on EEG. How is that possible? Where's the extra energy coming from? Uh, the answer, in my mind, is that energy is not coming from my body, that these monks have achieved connecting to a universal energy source and channeling it through them. And then they can boost that extremely low amplitude of gamma and make it high amplitude and penetrate right through the skull to be picked up by EEG machines. Um, the 100 hertz and the 200 hertz, that's still up for speculation. I named those hypergamma and lambda just because I refer to them all the time, and I began to create soundtracks for those in... Uh, uh, work with people with those because a large part of my work is high-tech approaches to um, brain states of meditation, high meditation. So we can look at EEG patterns of different types of enlightenment and we can reproduce those same brain patterns with brain entrainment. Yes, and, do and, and Dr. We Thompson, we're almost at the end of my show right now. And uh, before we um, end the show, I just really want to put this on record so everyone knows because I really feel that you'll go down in history books. Can you just briefly talk about your discoveries, including the fundamental frequency, um, you know, and also why your work is different than others that are also uh, doing the brainwave entrainment? And we have a few minutes left. Okay. Uh, brain entrainment, um, I do not use sine waves. Gerald Osser used sine waves because he was a scientist. Everybody else kind of copied that. Okay. Uh, I, had, I didn't know about Gerald Osser when I started creating brain entrainment myself, so I thought I was inventing the field, kind of novice me, but I did invent something new. So I untune the harmonics of the sounds themselves across the stereo field and create a frequency modulation that is not generated by sine waves. It's within the sound of the flute or the bird chirp or the water sounds. That means there's no dead wood on the, on the soundtrack. Uh, most of them produce sine waves for creating the binaural beats and then tack music on top to make it okay to listen to. Um, that being said, um, my current practice is using a special device that I helped develop. It's called a real-time heart rate variability device. And it's able to see the sympathetic, parasympathetic live on my computer screen. And then there's some simple neurological tests that I can do to see if your autonomic nervous system is functioning correctly. And if it's not, I can make it function correctly with a precisely tuned sound frequency, accurate to a couple of decimal points. Uh, so I'm laying you down on my sound table. I'm hooking you up to this device, uh, and I'm seeing that your autonomic nervous system is not pushing in the clutch the way it should when you lay on your back. It should collapse down to zero, homeostasis. And if it doesn't, it means you're running a fight-or-flight response all the time without your knowledge, and it's burning up all your resources. And I can force it to push in the clutch with the sound wave. Um, that's my own innovation, and I have a patent on that, and a patent on the design of my sound table, which is unique and different than anybody else is doing. I, I use right-left stereo separation so it matches the headphones. So I'm forcing the right-left brainstem areas for vibration sense to synchronize 
the right left headphones for auditory synchronicity and light glasses that have light bulbs that are um, driven by the sound, uh, controlling right left eye separately. So I'm synchronizing up the right left visual cortex, auditory cortex, and kinesthetic cortex, the three primary perceptual modes. But to me, the ultimate cause of disease is is my stress handling ability is impaired. And the stress handling ability is a, is a component of the autonomic nervous system, which controls all my organs and glands and all my systems. It's the master computer program that tells everything what to do. And if it's got a problem, your whole body has a problem. Okay, so we have and, your discovery was a fundamental frequency. You have the biotuning system. You discovered a brainwave. Any other discoveries? Uh, Third, I'm we now have a- exploring frequencies below the default mode network, which is something else we didn't talk about, but that's even slower than Epsilon. Okay, and, um, and that was one of your discoveries as well? A default mode network was no, that was not my discovery, but I was the first person to ever work with it. Okay. In a therapeutic mode and to put out a soundtrack. Amazing, amazing. I'm going to definitely have to have you come um, back on because you're just a wealth of knowledge, and I really enjoyed conversing with you today, and thank you so yeah, much for, it was good talking to you, and thank you so much for helping people around the world, and you take care. And this is Kristen Harper, radio show host. My show is Tips to Keep You Healthy, Happy, and Motivated on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel and also on X. Please uh, tune in next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. I have an amazing guest coming on who is a, a celebrity, so make sure you tune in and all of you have a wonderful week. for being a part of the show this week. Tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper, can be heard live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Kristen can't wait to speak again next week. 